Baseball Tonight, the podcast. This is the Baseball Tonight podcast for Wednesday, September 20th, 2023. And today will be better than yesterday. I'm Buster Olney. I'm at my home in Montana. And pinch hitting for Taylor Schwenk, who broke his foot the other day. We went through that saga in Monday's podcast. Dan Stanzik, how you doing? Buster, I'm great. Long time no talk. How are you? Yeah, you and I used to, uh, you know, I used to fill in a lot on uh, on Mike and Mike in the morning uh, as a as a co-host, usually with Mike Greenberg. And I, I mean, you were like right at the heart of that show, you know. Uh, some would say I drove it right to the ground because I worked on Callum Cowherd for the last two years of that show, and Mike and Mike for the last two years of that show. I'm the common <laughs> bond. I basically just ended them both. Well. Uh, I appreciate you stepping in for Taylor. I'm sure that you have heard the saga of what happened the other day. The, the accident with him holding a dog crate over his head going to his knees. Let's just say when I found out Taylor broke his foot or ankle or whatever he broke, and I knew that he was in College Park for the weekend, I put two and two together and I didn't need to hear what actually happened. I had my own ideas. We'll, well leave it at that. And what I would say, too, about that, and anybody listen to the podcast on Monday knows because the poor man is in a lot of pain. He, you know, his foot's killing him. I was not going to challenge or make fun of anything that he told me. I just moved on past it. He's got his story. He's sticking to it, as he said the other day, and I'm just going to leave it alone because the guy is in pain. I think that's a Dan, I think that's a fair way to go. We will take him at his word. All right. Uh, okay, let's start with, first off, we have a ton of great guests on the podcast today. Uh, Eduardo Perez is going to join us. Paul Lambicati is going to join us. David Schoenfield. We're hoping to hear from Jessica Mendoza, although I haven't gotten that confirmed. But we have to start with this. That's right. The Tampa Bay Rays announced they have a deal for a new stadium for so many years. We've heard the, the machinations about Tampa. Would they move the ballpark or get a new ballpark there? Would it be in another part of St. Pete? Would the franchise be moved? No, they're getting a new ballpark in St. Petersburg, close to the Trop. It's going to have about 30,000 seats. It's estimated to cost more than $1.2 billion. The Rays are paying a lot of that. Uh, Stanzik, I was very excited to hear this news. What about you? You know, I'm a Blue Jays fan, as you know, so, you know, it's a division opponent, but good good for Tampa. I, I went to the Trop once years and years ago. It's probably been, hell, 20 years now. I actually enjoyed my experience. I know a lot of people bagged on that place for a long time, but Happy Baseball is staying in, what is that, Western Florida, Northern Florida? Western Florida, yeah. Western Florida. There you go. Yeah, so, so good for them. That's great. You know, relocation's difficult, so... It's uh, good for those fans. I think you and I are the only two people in the world who like the Trop. I liked it because I knew that when you went there, the games would be played. You know, you've got those late Dude. afternoon thunderstorms they have there, and it didn't matter. You knew the games would be played, and the, the new ballpark, by the way, is going to have a roof. So good news there. We're going to be talking about that with David Schoenfield with Eduardo Perez coming up. We also heard this announcement. Shohei Otani had elbow surgery yesterday. He's expected to hit in 2024, but pitch in 2025. Big story there because, of course, Shohei Otani is going to be a free agent this fall. Probably a lot of the bids that are made on him this winter are going to be shaped around the news that we got yesterday about him not being available to pitch next season. Otani said on social media, 
that his surgery, quote unquote, went very well. In the National League wildcard race, the Diamondbacks faced the Giants and Cattell Marte pretty much finished off the Giants in the bottom of the fourth inning. Ground ball towards short on through in the left center. He'll score a couple. Carroll will go on to third. Marte's going into second. He's going to be out at second base. So the Diamondbacks get two more runs to make it 7-2. to two. That sound from Arizona Sports 98.7 FM. And what was really bad for the Giants, besides their 8-4 defeat, was the fact that Alex Cobb, one of their most reliable starting pitchers, had to leave the game in the third inning due to a left hip injury. He hadn't pitched since September 11th, while the team gave him some time to recover. He had been scheduled loosely to start this upcoming Sunday night game against the Los Angeles Dodgers, but let's face it, that's in question. So in the National League wildcard race, the Diamondbacks win, the Giants lose, the Cubs win with help from a rookie. The one-two, Canario hits one in the air, deep left center field, way back, this will go, grand slam! You knew it was a good matchup for Canario. He got the high fastball a couple times, fouled a couple off, and guess what? The kid's first home run in the friendly confines, first home run in the big leagues, a grand slam here in front of 34,000. Final score there, Cubs 14, Pirates 1. For the Miami Marlins, some bad news. Luisa Rise sprained his ankle during fielding practice on Tuesday, bobbled the ball, then stepped on it, causing the injury. He was replaced at second base by rookie Xavier Edwards, who batted ninth in the lineup. And you know what? It didn't hurt the Marlins. Now the 0-2 pitch. And that is a line drive. Center field! Base hit! Base hit! A walk-off for Jake Berger! The Marlins win 4-3! Oh, they needed it in the worst of ways! Jake Berger, the hero! His fourth career walk-off hit! And the Marlins beat the Mets 4-3! Yeah, Jake Berger getting the walk-off single. That sound from 940 WINZ. The Marlins also yesterday claimed reliever Matt Moore off waivers from the Guardians. Remember, Matt Moore was waived by the Angels, and now he's moved on to the Guardians. So he's bouncing around, having impact on pennant races all over the place. Really interesting game yesterday between the Orioles and the Astros. It was on ESPN Radio, and Ryan O'Hearn has been red hot. Got the Orioles started in the top of the first. Again, the 3-2 pitch, and O'Hearn in the air, left center field, going back is Dubon. Still going back, onto the track, leaps, and it is gone, a home run! Ryan O'Hearn, left center field, his 14th of the year, and the Orioles are on the board, three batters in. They lead it 2-0. The Orioles still had the lead in the top of the seventh inning. Austin Hayes went deep for a second time. Hayes in the air, left center field. This one is deep, and he is a two-homer night. Crushed to left center. Austin Hayes, 8-5 Orioles. That was hammered by Austin Hayes. Almost up onto the train tracks up above left field. And a rookie applied the coup de grace. Kerstad swings in the air to left, going back at the track. McCormick looks up, opposite field, home run. Into the first row of the Crawford boxes. Heston Kerstad goes the other way. His second home run, and it's 9-5 Baltimore. The final score there, Orioles 9, Astros 5. I'm going to be talking with Dave about how the Astros might be in trouble even to reach the postseason. 
The Blue Jays faced the Yankees in Yankee Stadium. George Springer was celebrating his 34th birthday, and he got Toronto started in the top of the first. 3-1. On a line out to right field. Hit pretty well. Going down the line and into the front row. A stadium special for Springer. What a present to unwrap on your birthday. The 57th leadoff home run for George Springer. Final score there, Blue Jays 7, Yankees 1. That's not from Sportsnet 590, the fan. For the Twins, a really tough Tuesday. Uh, Carlos Correa is out because he's dealing with plantar fasciitis in his left foot. And Royce Lewis had to leave Tuesday's game because of a hamstring issue. You could see the way that uh, he was reacting to this injury. This is going to be something potentially that could linger. The Dodgers and Tigers. Dodgers, of course, fighting for the best record in the National League. And Max Muncy walked it off for L.A. Muncy with a line drive base hit into right. Here comes Betts. Throw to the plate, and he is safe, and the Dodgers win it. Betts scores on a head-first slide. A good throw from Carpenter, but not good enough. Dodgers win 3-2 to two as they walk it off. That sound from AM570 LA Sports. Earlier in the night, the Braves faced the Phillies. The Braves coming off four consecutive losses. But Ronald Acuna Jr. got them started in the bottom of the first. Acuna ignites one. Deep left field. one nothing Braves. First swing of the game. That's the 38th time this year he's gone downtown. And the Braves looking for a lift early. Just got one from Ronald Acuna Jr. That was the first of two homers he hit in the Braves' 93 win over Philadelphia. That sound from 680, the fan. And quite a performance late last night by Blake Snell, uh, starting for the Padres against the Rockies. He carried a no-hitter through the top of the seventh inning. Here it is on one and two, and a swing and a miss. Got him to go after another curveball in the dirt. A 10-strikeout night for Blake Snell, and seven no-hit shutout innings from the Padre left-hander. That from 97.3, the fan. The no-hit bid came to an end the top of the ninth inning. 2-0 off the handle, rolled into center field. That'll be a base hit. First hit of the night for the Rockies. Just sort of a looping, bouncing single for Brendan Rodgers. It was still 0-0 when Xander Bogarts walked it off for the Padres. Grisham runs. Here's the pitch, and that's it in the air. Deep down the left field line. Jones over to the wall. At the fence. Gonna go! Home run, Xander Bogarts! The Padres, a walk-off win, down to their final strike in the bottom of the ninth inning, score the first two runs of this game, and beat the Rockies 2 to nothing on Bogart's second career walk-off home run. So Blake Snell yesterday seemed to move a leg up in the National League Cy Young Award race. Uh, Spencer Strider had a good night as well, getting the win in that Braves victory, but I feel like Blake Snell probably at this point, uh, would be the front runner for that award. Stanzik, what else you got? Well, Buster, I do a lot of basketball, uh, produce a lot of basketball podcasts, and the NBA season is a little over a month away, so make sure you are subscribed and downloading the Low Post with Zach Lowe, the Brian Windhorst and the Hoop Collective, the Woj Pod with Adrian Wojnarowski, and the CJ McCollum Show. You can get those podcasts anywhere you are listening to this podcast right now. We're driven by the search for better. When it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. 
If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of the show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash Buster. Just go to Indeed.com slash Buster right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash Buster. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Vivid Seats wants to get you to the games you love this spring. Experience every pitch, assist, and game-winning shot live and in person. And the best part? Each transaction is a step toward a free 11 ticket with Vivid Seats rewards. Score unbeatable perks like free tickets, surprise seat upgrades, and annual birthday deals. As the official ticketing partner of ESPN, Vivid Seats is offering you $20 off your first $200 ticket purchase with Code Baseball. That's Code Baseball. Visit VividSeats.com or download the app today. Vivid Seats. Experience it live. Welcome to the show! Welcome to the show. Welcome to the show, mate. Welcome to the show. Whoa! Welcome to the show, baby. You're in the show with David Schoenfield. David Schoenfield, of course, covers baseball for ESPN. Dave, how you doing on this Wednesday? I'm good, Buster. It's getting fun here. Yeah, well, and of course you're doing great because we it's possible we've seen a time in the future where we don't have to talk about the Rays or the A's ballpark situation. Can you believe it? I mean, I there might actually be shovels it. in the ground here soon. Although, Buster, I know you're excited here, but hold on. The city council and the county, they still have to vote to approve the public funding version of the stadium. So that's not going to fall apart, is it? They'll, they'll approve it, I hope. Yeah, I, I, I do feel like like Charlie Brown, you know, had with the football and, and it getting pulled away because you're right. It's still possible that it falls apart. But I think with a team contributing a sizable amount of money, that's probably yeah. going to make it more politically palatable for the folks making this vote. Does that make sense? Yeah, no. And it's about time the race step up and, you know, dig into their own pockets. That's the only way this was ever going to get done. Look, is baseball in St. Petersburg viable? We all know the traffic, you know, to get there is that's not going to go away with the location of the of this new stadium. But look, we they need a new ballpark. I'm watching them the other day at another home run. Julio Rodriguez hit off the catwalk there at Tropicana Field. You know, uh, that stadium is a joke. So a new dome stadium will be a big improvement. So I made calls yesterday and sort of, uh, you know, got a, got a loose timeline on how this might all happen. From what I understand, the relocation committee working on the A's situation, they've got a lot of work to do. Like this is not something where it's, you know, at the one yard line. They actually have some work to do. So it's possible that in November you're going to have the, you know, the votes and it's going to be presented to the owners. 
It's more likely it's going to happen in the next month. And then so you're going to have potentially both the Rays and the A's putting shovels in the ground sometime soon. And you know what that means? As soon as that happens, Major League Baseball moves on to expansion talk. And I think that could start in earnest at the owners' meetings in February. You start with this. Nashville's getting a team. Yep. Right? We know that. Yep. Nashville's going to be one of the teams, and the question's going to be where does the other team go? Yeah, no doubt. 32 teams obviously is a logical uh, way to organize things. Yeah, who's who's going to be that 32nd team? I mean, I, I don't know. I would love to see Montreal step up, but, you know, no movement on a stadium in Montreal. So I think they look like a long shot right now. You know, a lot of people talk about Portland. Personally, from the Pacific Northwest, I don't see it. You know, Portland they don't even have a triple A or a double A team right now. They haven't had a minor league team in years. I think that's a bit of a reach personally. I don't know. What do you think, Buster? So, yeah, that second team, it's a it's an open question. And, and it, there's opportunity there for some billionaire to step up and, and to do uh, do big things. If I'm just sitting here guessing today and that's all it is, is a guess, I think it's going to be Salt Lake City. I think okay. the baseball wants to even out the geography a little bit, put a team, you know, mountain time zone, west time zone. And believe me, living here in Montana would be a 50-minute flight. How <laughs> cool would that be to have a team in Salt Lake City? Uh, but I, that's my guess as to where it's headed. You know, as they say, Nashville – without a doubt at this point is a slam dunk. It's been a, a place that even existing teams have been eyeing. I think major league baseball has, has made it known. They'd like to stiff arm people away from that because Nashville is going to be a site, but there's a lot of jockeying that's going to go on for that second site. So I, I I'm, I'm curious as to which way that goes. I want to ask you about what's going on in the pennant races. And I'm, I was fascinated by the Astros and Orioles game last night where, you know, the Astros, defending champions, go up against a team with the best record in the American League. And, Dave, they got punched in the mouth. Yep. Yeah, that came after Monday night's game when Cedric Mullins hit that big home run to win it in the ninth. I got a text from a Astros fan, a friend of mine. He watches every game, and he's not happy right now. He just said the Astros are not a serious club right now. And, yeah, look. They're still in first place by half a game, but it does feel like they've kind of just sleepwalked through this entire season, doesn't it? A little bit. I know they had, you know, a lot of injuries to the rotation and and whatnot, um, but they haven't come together. Ryan Presley is suddenly a big question mark in the ninth inning. The bullpen nowhere near as dominant as last year, so. I'm just not feeling Houston right now, although nobody seems to want to win win that division. Yeah, or make the playoffs in the American League, for that matter. A week ago, I was writing off the Toronto Blue Jays when they're getting yep. blitzed by the Texas Rangers, and now the Blue Jays have a better record than anybody in the American League West, which is a little crazy. Coincidentally, I've been working on a story, and I think it's going to come out on Thursday, um, You know, which came out of a conversation that I had with some of the Astros players about how they really remind me of those Yankee teams that I covered, 98, 99, 2000, 2001, in that the regular season became really hard for them. They, for lack of a better way to describe it, they got bored. They were waiting for the big games in October. And when those big games happen, 
all of a sudden the Yankees would go from being a, you know, a, a, a team that was slogging along to being the defending champions. Uh, you know, and the best example of that, and I have to go back and look up, I think it was at the end of the 2000 season, they lost yep. like 15 of their last 17 or 16 to the last 17. They backed into the playoffs. It was ugly. You get idiots writing them off and saying, yeah, that team is done. And they go on and win the World Series. That was a real thing. And yesterday I had a conversation with Mike Stanton, who was a reliever on those Yankees teams. He's now does the pre and, pre and post game for some of the Astros broadcast. And he said, I think there's something to that. You know, that these guys, the Astros have been pushing this regular season rock up the hill every year for the last eight years or so. And I think they need bright lights to be inspired. Does that make sense? No, I, it's funny you bring up the 2000 Yankees because I exactly was just thinking thinking of that now i did look this up the other day and i don't i don't have the numbers in front of me but i looked at all the world series teams over the last 10 years so it was 20 teams and 85 percent of them buster did play well in september but it can happen you can play poorly in september and turn it on and get hot at the right time it doesn't usually happen but it can happen and yeah those 2000 yankees are the the paramount case when they when they make the playoffs with 87 wins, I think it was. Um, but look, I think there's real concerns about the Astros pitching depth. Yeah. You know, to me, the key here, the Orioles to me, I know they're still without Felix Bautista, but the Orioles just never beat themselves. They play such clean baseball. They run the bases, you know, they have a good bullpen. And their offense is really good. It's masked a little bit by Camden Yards, not an easy home run park anymore, but they score runs. They really are such a well-rounded team that I don't see from any of the other AL contenders. And I was talking with an executive yesterday with another team who talked about the Orioles. He said, you know, as they've promoted these young guys into the major league roster, uh, he said that team right now, they can flat out hit. Yeah, no. Look at Gunnar Henderson's stats. You know, he was hitting under 200 and well into May. He's been one of the best hitters in the American League the last four months. We all know Adley Rushman is a star. Um, Cedric Mullins, very underrated player. You know, Austin Hayes hit a couple home runs last night. Good, just, They're just good players up and down that lineup. Yeah, I, I would expect that you're going to see more energy out of the Astros going forward because now they probably are looking at the standings. They're looking at the standings and understanding that with a, it's very possible for them to in, miss the playoffs entirely unless they step it up here. Yeah, it's not a lock. Obviously, they have the advantage. You know, Seattle and Texas will play each other seven times starting Friday, the last 10 games. So those two teams will most likely beat up on each other. So Houston, you know, that gives them an advantage to win the division. But, yeah, it's not a lock that they they make October at all. Two more quick ones before you go. It felt like that Cubs win yesterday was big because it's, it's almost like they broke loose. To me, it was a little bit like the comparable to what the Diamondbacks did with their sweep of the Cubs where they could relax a little bit. And watching the Cubs players having fun last night, it looked like they there was some ease there to see Cody Bellinger, other struggling, struggling guys get some hits. Yeah, coming off that sweep against Arizona, um, they needed it. Look, I still think the Cubs, although not, let's throw the Phillies out, but those other NL wildcard teams, 
I still think they're the best team. Like we can look at that run differential. The Cubs are, you know, positive in a big direction. The others are all minus. So I do think the Cubs will get in. All right. And lastly, the Giants, was that for the Giants a body blow losing Alex Cobb in last night's game? Yeah, for sure. They needed to sweep these two games from Arizona to have any chance. Too many teams to leap over. And let's be honest, they're under 500 the last three months. Uh, you know, they played well April, May, June, but not since the All-Star break. All right, Dave. Thanks for doing this. Always good to talk with you. All right. Thanks, Buster. Jumping into the numbers. This is Hembo Knows on Baseball Tonight. Paul McKinney's Hembo, of course, a researcher uh, on behalf of Mike Greenberg. He's at his hip, whatever show he's doing. Hembo, how you doing on this Wednesday? Buster, Buster, I'm doing just fine and dandy. I'm doing much better than Mike Greenberg, given that since the last time you and I spoke, uh, Aaron Rodgers played four uh, plays for the Jets and then uh, suffered a ridiculous cataclysmic season-ending injury on the first possession of the season. So Greenberg, uh, uh, Greeny has still not recovered. From, from that experience, I'm doing the best I can to hold his hand uh, as I help him in lieu of flowers uh, during this difficult time. Can you please send him a message and stop talking about, yeah, the Vikings should deliver Kirk Cousins to his team? Like he's doing it like like the Vikings are a minor league team who needs to do they, – they need to do the Jets a favor. I don't know if he checked the standings, but the Vikings record is not that much different than the Jets at the moment. I mean, give it a moment before mm -hmm. you blow up the season in which they're trying to convince Justin Jefferson to stay with the franchise. Yeah, a couple things here. The the Vikings, last I checked, are not owned by Harry Frazee, so they're not going to just give away players for no reason. And secondly, this should come as um, comfort to you. If Greeny's speaking it into existence, very often the opposite happens. I think the only thing that can happen from here – as the Vikings finish 15-2 and two and go on to win the Super Bowl. Because if Greeny is declaring them dead, the very opposite will happen. That's the effect that he has on everything. All right. Thanks for uh, jinxing the Vikings forever by even suggesting that path. That means that's over with. Go ahead and trade him. Like, Hembo, the fact that you said that out loud is just a, out loud is appalling to me. Mm, All right. I'm sorry about uh, that. We brought you on here to talk about baseball. Let's talk about the National League Cy Young Award. Did Blake Snell lock down the NL Cy Young Award with that performance last night? He did. Yes. Uh, I think it's a clear and obvious winner now. And that should be uh, should be Blake Snell, who's in the midst of truly one of the great runs of run prevention that we have seen in a long time. To allow 19 runs across his last 22 starts is almost without precedent. Now, granted, he's not throwing the same volume of innings as, as pitchers of yesteryear have thrown, but no one has done that since literally Bob Gibson in 1968. So we're talking about that kind of historic stretch wow. over a durable period of time. Think about it this way. I think Spencer Strider is probably his biggest competitor for that award, and for good reason. He's, he might get to 20 wins. He's averaging 14 strikeouts per nine innings, but they've thrown almost exactly the same number of innings. And Blake Snell has allowed 31 fewer runs. Like, at the end of the day, the peripherals are more predictive. Like, I think Spencer Strider is a better pitcher, but the Cy Young Award is rewarding someone over past performance in the way that you should be, I guess, primarily evaluated for it is your most important job as a pitcher. Your most important job as a, as a pitcher is to prevent runs. And Blake Snell has done that, is doing that better than any pitcher in either league. To me, Blake Snell locked it up yesterday and probably did a couple weeks ago. Give me a one, two, three, four National League Cy Young Award real quick. Oh, my goodness. So, top of head, I'm going to go Blake Snell one. I'm going to go Spencer Strider two. I'm going to go Zach Wheeler three, which probably wow. doesn't surprise Wow, okay, you. because he leads he in war. Tandem. He is, yeah, he is, and he also 
pretty consistently is is very unlucky when it comes to batted ball stuff and whatnot. He always is there. Like to me, Zach Wheeler is one of the more underrated pitchers in baseball. And I think Corbin Burns actually is going to find his way into the discussion here towards the end, because uh, with the exception of his last start, he's been great. And he sort of represents the, like the, the resurgence that the Brewers have had as a team. So I'm going to put him in my top five as well for now, with, of course, the ability to change my mind between today and the day I will turn in my hypothetical Cy Young ballot. All right. I'm going to give you another bonus question about Blake Snell. What's the contract he's going to get as a free agent in the offseason? Give me the numbers. Fascinating. So the, the the Blake Snell stuff is is so interesting because I'm not sure what he's doing is replicable. Like the, the, the left on base percentage, the fact that he's pitching out of the stretch so much better than anyone in the league. You know, he, he's not the kind of pitcher who is doing stuff that you want to necessarily bet on, right? Even so, I think Blake Snell is going to see a nine-figure contract. It's going to be it's going to be hard for him to sign a piece of paper that doesn't guarantee him at least a hundred million dollars. Especially when you consider that there are so few people on the planet that can do it uh, can do it as well as he can do it, especially from the left side. So if I'm going to make up numbers out of thin air, I'll say something like five years and somewhere between 120 and 150 million dollars. How far off am I? No, I think you're right in the ballpark. You know, Zach Wheeler, for me, I think his was 117 and a half, and that was yep. mm-hmm. four years ago. That's a little bit of a comp. I know it's righty versus lefty, but that sort of range. I think I do think the days of starting pitchers getting $200 million might be gone, and you and I will talk about that on another day. I just think that the, with all the injuries and the concerns uh, that teams have now, I just don't know, except for very, very rare outliers, we're going to necessarily see a big spike in starting pitcher uh, uh, contracts. All right, Adam Wainwright, win number 200 the other day. I think everybody in baseball is happy for him. What would you make of all that? Yeah, I mean, this is this is an all-timer. Adam Wainwright um, was a remarkably good pitcher and has been a remarkably good ambassador for baseball. And despite the fact that he had to limp to the finish line this year, we can still celebrate 200 wins as – an enormous achievement. Now, wins don't matter as much as they used to, or at least they don't matter as much as we used to think they mattered. Yeah. But over a long period of time, Buster, wins can still get you there, okay? I mean, the Cardinals have been playing baseball since 1882, and the entire list of pitchers to ever win 200 games for them is Bob Gibson, Jesse Haynes, who pitched in the 20s and 30s, and Adam Wainwright. And when you couple that with the fact that he won 60% of his decisions – over that period of time, we're talking about 25 pitchers in the live ball era, a hundred years of baseball that have done that. He's one of 25 people to do that. At minimum, he's in the Hall of Fame conversation. 134 of those wins, Buster, came after Tommy John surgery. That's a rare thing. Like he has done, he has had a remarkable career and a remarkable comeback from that, which I'm sure you remember at the time. That's always a tough thing for pitchers and for him to have the durability that he has had since then. Is crazy. He's also, I think, a little bit mis- or underrepresented in the conversation about great postseason pitchers. It's a 3-2-3 career postseason ERA as a starter in 97 innings, a .54 ERA in 13 appearances as a reliever. <clears throat> uh, Adam Wainwright had a phenomenal career. He may not have been Kershaw or Verlander or Scherzer. To me, he's a little closer to someone like Mike Mussina, who was obscured by some of the other contemporaries, like the all-time greats, the first ballot Hall of Fame types that he pitched beside of or next to. That's kind of the conversation in which I think Adam Wainwright uh, is involved in. And look, Adam Wainwright's going to be a media superstar. We've talked about this before. Like, he's going to be able to do whatever he wants after his career. And if he wants to do TV or things like this, he's going to be great at it. So I think he's going to be in the public consciousness for a really, really long time. And I'm really happy about it because there are very few people in baseball that I consider more universally loved, revered, beloved than Adam Wainwright.
how does Adam Wainwright get into the Hall of Fame in, in, uh, in your eyes? I think it's I think it's uphill sledding. I really do, um, because obviously the counting stats are just are much below the threshold. It's 200 wins. It's it's 2000 strikeouts. There's obviously the postseason success to speak of. But without being able to compare favorably to the Verlanders and Scherzers and Grankies and Kershaws of the world, or even Sabathia or Roy Halladay, it's going to be tough. I think if Adam Wainwright, uh, Wainwright winds up getting in someday, it's, it's more likely to be uh, via committee because yeah. I think he there's a lot more qualitative stuff there. I mean, he was effectively the ace, the best pitcher on a pitching staff over the course of 10 or 12 years that was consistently one of the two or three best in the National League, right? There, there's something to be said about that. Like if you have people in those rooms that say, Look, Adam Wainwright was a huge part of our team success in addition to what he did every fifth day. To me, that's as good an argument as the fact that he's stacking up really impressive career, like back of the uh, baseball card totals. That, I think, is going to be a similar argument for his catcher, Yadier Molina. Like Some things in baseball can't be quantified. Even I, as an egghead, can acknowledge that. And for, for Adam Wainwright, I think there are items on that ledger for which the, the, the boxes that he checks that will wind up resonating in a veterans committee room somewhere down the line. Yep, I agree with you. I get. I think he gets in with the veterans committee eventually. And when he makes a speech to Cooperstown, I hope he proceeds that by singing the national anthem. Because that's <laughs> one of the options we're going to see with Adam Wainwright is he could be a country and western star. He is a really talented guy. He's a really good guy. He has served baseball well and you know, definitely wish him uh, wish him the best as he makes those choices going forward. Beginning of the year, uh, the idea that the Cardinals would not win the National League Central was a joke to me. Like, I, I thought there's no way this team can't find a way to win. Not only did they not win, but they were blown out of the water in part because the Milwaukee Brewers uh, have just taken off over the last six or seven weeks. Tell me what you're seeing in the Brewers. So there, to me, are two operative questions as it relates to the Brewers and their chances to win the pennant. The first is, can they score enough runs to do it? And I think the answer to that question is, I don't know. The second question is, can they prevent enough runs to win the pennant? And the answer to that question is, absolutely. Right now, the Brewers are pitching better than anyone in baseball, and it's not close. This is a remarkable number to me. Milwaukee Buster has allowed five runs or fewer, 21 consecutive games. Over three weeks, that tied a franchise record. That's a span that dates to August 28th. They have not allowed six runs in a game in the month of September. All right. Over that period of time, as a team, it's a 2-4-7 ERA, an OPS allowed of 557 across 189 innings. We just talked about Blake Smell. He has 175 innings. What the Brewers have done as a team over the last three weeks is effectively turn in a Cy Young season as a group that is a pitching staff that gives their team a chance to win every game it's that staff and that manager can take the helium out of any balloon in the national league there is no lineup in the national league that is impervious to the bullets that they can throw at you with the starters with the relievers and the wizardry of craig council i don't know that they can score enough to win all the playoff series required to get to the world series i know for sure that they're going to be playing highly competitive highly entertaining October baseball games because that staff can absolutely shove right now. All right. Uh, I want you to rank these three impending free agents and their impact on next year's pennant races. Okay. Mm. Uh, I'm going to give you three Blake Snell, Shohei Otani, Craig council. <laughs> okay. So, so Otani's Did I put third. that on a T for you or what? Otani's third buster, because there's so much unknown. There's so much we don't know about Otani that I just can't put him at the top of any list 
like that. I'm putting him third just because of that. I'm going to put Blake Snell first because he's the person on that list that I'm most confident is going to make a week-in, week-out impact. But Craig Council second because I think there's a real chance that Craig Council is either managing the Brewers really well or managing another pennant-chasing team really well, too. His impending free agency, as you've discussed before on this podcast, is a fascinating subplot. And we know that David Stearns is now going to um, run that run the Mets baseball operations. And who knows if he wants to make Craig Council the highest paid manager in baseball. You have a lot more information than I do. But I talked about this a couple of weeks on your podcast. I think that Craig Council was the best manager in baseball pound for pound. And I'm not talking about his appearance. I'm talking about what he does on a night in, night out basis. He is phenomenal at his job. And if he's your manager, you're starting the season 5-0. and So I'm going to put Craig Council second on that list. I'm sure you saw the video. The I think it was generated last week where uh, one of the Brewers hit a go-ahead home run, and Craig Council, as, before the hitter drops the bat, is running to the phone to call the bullpen because he's going to affect other decisions with the bullpen, and he wanted to either get somebody up or sit somebody down. It was a really cool moment, and he's not the only manager who would do that, but I thought it was a, a great sign of what he does. Last one for you, the Baltimore Orioles. I mentioned when I was talking with Dave, a conversation with the executive yesterday who said flatly, that team can rake. What do you see in the Orioles? I'm so incredibly happy for those fans. That weekend at Camden Yards was so special. It felt like the, the, the epicenter of the baseball universe, and it felt to me on TV watching and talking to some people that were there that it was a playoff atmosphere. Those were some of the best games I've seen this season. Anyway, I'm going to just for you recite a bunch of things that shouldn't be true at the same time. You've got the best record in the American League right now. You've got the third lowest payroll in baseball. Their top nine players, each of their t- top nine players by war, are all under 30 and are all under team control through next season. You've got six of the top 50 prospects in baseball, including the number one po- prospect in baseball, Jackson Holiday, who I have a man crush on. His numbers are absurd in the minor leagues. Buster, they did not buy irresponsibly at the trade deadline. They decided to go for the dynasty instead. The traditional powers in that division right now, the Yankees and the Red Sox, are down. The Orioles hit the sweet spot. They capitalized on the opportunity, and that opportunity is right now. I'm thrilled for them. Their process was sound. We can have a conversation a different day about their non-competitive behavior over the last few years, which helped produce these results. On a different day, we'll do that. Right this second, I'm thrilled for that team thrilled for that fan base. And while I'm not touching the American League playoffs with a 10-foot pole, because I have no idea who's going to win it, I'm thrilled for that team. And they have as good a chance as anybody to do it, given how well they're hitting right now. And should they get Felix Bautista back for the ninth inning, there is no game that they're going to lead entering the eighth inning and lose. I feel confident in saying that. That team is as much fun to watch as any. And like I said, for the fourth time, I'm thrilled for them and those fans. Hembo, thanks for doing this. Tell Greeny, stop talking about Kirk Cousins. (laughs) Later, man. For the ones who get it done, Granger offers high-quality supplies and solutions for every industry, as well as access to product specialists who have the knowledge and experience to answer your toughest questions. Plus, their commitment to being your safety partner can help you keep your facilities safe and your people safer. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Dogs are an important part of our lives, and keeping them protected is a top priority, especially against nasty parasites. That's why you got to check out NexGuard Plus, a Foxaloner, Moxidectin, and Pyrantal chewable tablets. 
NextGuard Plus Chews provide one-and-done monthly protection that kills fleas and ticks, prevents heartworm disease, plus it treats and controls roundworms and hookworms. That's a whole lot of protection packed into a delicious beef-flavored soft chew designed to make monthly dosing easy and enjoyable. So the next time you're at the vet, ask about NextGuard Plus Chews. They're the one-and-done monthly parasite protection you want for your dog. Used with caution in dogs with a history of seizures or neurological disorders. Dogs should be tested for existing heartworm infection prior to starting preventive. Jessica Mendoza is an analyst for ESPN. You also hear her doing uh, color on Dodger games. Jess, how you doing? I'm doing good. It's nice and beautiful out here in LA. You're faking it. You're faking it. See, we're talking at like 730 uh, West Coast time. You're up late doing a game last night. When we first heard your voice, you were definitely sleepy. So I appreciate you generating I'm, energy early in the morning. I'm a morning person. So once that alarm went off, it might have been five minutes before I was supposed to be here. But then because I had some time with Eduardo coming on, I'm now like good to go. I'm shoot. I'm at the beach. I'm ready to jump in the water, then do the game. tonight. <laughs> Very nice. Well, I, mean, I got some questions about the Dodgers for you about Clayton Kershaw. Uh, but one of the topics of the day coming off the starting performances of last night, the National League Cy Young Award. In your eyes, did Blake Snell wrap that up? Oh, yeah, absolutely. And it was kind of fun because we had all the dudes going, right? Um, Spencer Strider, Zach Gallen, Blake Snell. Um, so it was kind of fun of like, all right, all right, boys, we're trying out. <laughs> what do you got? And to be honest, it, it wrapped up for me just watching Snell last week, even against this Dodgers offense, which, by the way, has been scoring like 12 runs a game. It's just been stupid. I might be exaggerating a little bit, but their numbers have been just through the roof offensively. So to see Snell completely shut them down last week, like he does everybody, just shows how good the stuff is, especially right now. It just makes me sad the Padres aren't contending with him. Man, yeah, all those people, me, uh, who picked the Padres to win the National League West feeling really sheepish right now, which is why. And and they're definitely, when the Dodgers clinched the division, there was an undercurrent of, uh-huh, yeah, all those people who thought the Padres were going to take a big step forward this year, eat some humble pie. What did you make of the Dodgers this year? You know, to be honest, I feel like, you know, it's their 10th division title in the last 11 years. And I feel like this has been the team that has struggled the most and having been calling games since April for them on and off. So, you know, you check in with the team, you see how they're doing. And I remember coming into June, how much they were struggling. I mean, I think it's hard for a lot of people to remember. You mentioned coming to the season, everyone had the Padres winning, but at that point, the Diamondbacks were just, I mean, like dominant and clear lead over the Dodgers and the Dodgers bullpen was one of the worst in baseball. So to see how much that's turned around and to be honest, how excited I am about this Dodger team because they did struggle. I mean, when we look over the course of the last 10 years, like they just win games and there hasn't really been a whole lot of competition. Yes. The Padres, but for the most part, they've had the division from day one. So I think this team is more prepared and because they've had to really tap into their depth, They've had new veterans on this team. I mean, J.D. Martinez has just been stupid good. He's had three home runs in the last two games. Jason Hayward, 
has been so much fun to watch. James Altman's in his back pocket, just learning so much from him. And David Peralta, who, you know, if you watch the Dodgers and they're always doing the train and like, you know, this buster, you always have that one veteran that kind of has the, the slogans, has the whole reason why the team is doing what they're doing. And that to me is David Peralta for this team. So uh, with all the pitching issues they've had with the, you know, there's so many members of starting rotation have gotten hurt. Walker Bueller, the hope was he'd come back and help. He didn't. Uh, obviously Julio Arias's time with the Dodgers may be over because of his situation. Uh, Sarah Langs and I were talking the other day about the Dodgers starting rotation. The leader in innings incredibly is Clayton Kershaw at 121 plus uh, Sarah had that note the other day that, uh, and I can't remember who the player was in the total in the specific number of innings, but it was like the most innings ever thrown for a team that won a division was like 153 before this year's Dodger team, uh, who they just had to scramble to fill in on the pitching staff, including the, the midseason trade for Lance Lynn. Do you think the Dodgers can get through October and win uh, in the playoffs with the, the rotation that they have? I do, Buster, and I think last night was a good indication, and I know it's not going to be your typical Dodger way when you look on paper. I mean, Clayton Kershaw might not even get game one, to be honest. Bobby Miller has been really the ace statistically, knowing what Kershaw can give in the amount of innings. Um, but what I see with, from this team is the fact that their bullpen is going to be used. They're going to be that team that's very Tampa Bay-esque that will use an opener and have bulk inning guys and piecemeal kind of their young starters that are all on tryout right now, by the way, at the back end of the season to kind of see who fits where. But there's going to be young starters like Ryan Pepio that most likely will be in the bullpen pitching bulk innings with openers, utilizing so many arms. In their last 11 games, they have like a .6 ERA buster, and it's using 16 different arms out of the bullpen. So this is like Jeez. take away the starters. like, And that's where I feel like even with Clayton and knowing where he's at with his shoulder, how much – you know, that he is battling right now, he's able to have good starts because he knows he doesn't have to go deep. Lance Lynn, who pitched two nights ago, Dave Roberts told him before the game, you have been a length dude your whole career. That's what you're known for. I don't want you to be a length dude anymore. Go out, let it eat. Give me everything you got. Empty the tank because I want to see what that looks like. And his mile per hours were up too on his, on his fastball. What he was able to do from a pitching standpoint was so much better. And that had everything to do with, I, I don't need you to go to seven innings because we're not going to do that in October. So you texted me the other day about how much admiration you have for Kershaw with the, the way that he's pitching this year. Tell me what you've seen in that, how he's dealt with this, uh, with this injury. And, and let's face it, we're at the stage of Clayton's career now. We're, we're year to year. Do you have a sense of, of uh, you know, when he's going to want to stop? Yeah, I mean, I still think in his mind, it's I've got one more in me. I don't know. He hasn't said any of this, and this is just my opinion. Watching the way that he goes out there, I do think what's pressing on him more than anything is the age of his kids, you know, getting to that school age, not being able to be around as much, although Ellen, his wife, being the trooper that she is, they've gone on such – a huge amount of road trips more so than ever um and he's got four kids 
And I, I think that's what's going to, to pressure him more than anything. But I do feel like he's got another year. Um, so signing another one-year deal, whether that be with the Dodgers, whether that be for, with Texas to go back to his home, to be around his kids more, um, to give him that extra year, maybe um, when his kids are now starting in school and can't be around as much, who knows? But when I texted you that, I think what impresses me more, and we talk about this all the time, right, Buster, with great pitching. We always know Clayton's stuff. We know what he has. It's the nights and he doesn't have it. And watching him start that game, and it's probably the worst I've seen him in a start inning one. Like just pitches going to the backstop, not having command of anything. You're going, buckle up, here we go, uh-oh, right? And he battled his way through. And by the time we got to the third, fourth, fifth inning, he had dialed it back in. And not like the best stuff, but figured out a way to get guys out when it had been not his best stuff of what I've seen all season long. And that to me is, is beyond what makes him great. That's great pitching when you're just like out there on an Island and I don't got stuff today. How do I figure this out? By the way, I got three pitches. <laughs> like It's not like I'm, I'm going into a huge bag of, bag of tools here. And so watching him grind through that, get the win, do it in Seattle, a team that was contending. It just it it really really impressed me because that to me is what you're going to see a lot more. I think from Clayton on the back end of his career. Yeah, I mean it really does feel like since that 2017 World Series against the Astros, like he that uh, you know the old stubbornness, which was part of what made him you know one of the greatest pitchers we've ever seen early in his career, has sort of evaporated, and now he's much more pliable, much more uh, flexible in terms of how he's going to you know, go on a daily basis. And it feels like he's getting a lot of joy out of it. Like the, the, the chess match of, of uh, trying to get through each start. Uh, I just, you know, you do wonder how long he wants to keep doing it physically because he has had a lot of injuries, you know, pile up on him over the last uh, you know, five or six years. Before you go, we got the, the latest news in Shohei Otani is that he's going to come back next year as a hitter. Uh, it's uncertain about exactly when he's going to come back as a pitcher, but generally speaking, they're talking about 2025. Uh, give me your team where you think he's going to land for 2024 and give me a, a general range of the contract that he's going to get in terms of the dollars. Oh, man, that I don't think I have the general range. I think that's something to kind of sit on and like think about when what are you going to get as a pitcher? from here on out, you know, like knowing that this is going to be a a lot of years and not saying that he's never going to pitch again, but how many of those years will he be a pitcher? So looking at this as a hitter that can pitch, but also just, oh my goodness, like the best player that we've seen and the biggest name, my biggest thing, Buster, that a lot of people will talk about is Wherever he goes and signs and agrees to, it's going to be on his terms, I think, more than the financial piece of not being the big marketing guy. And when you sign a huge deal, there are very few teams that are willing to say, okay, you don't have to do all the interviews and the billboard photo shoot and the commercials and the ads. And we just want you to go play baseball. Like, Think about that. If When you look at big market teams and they're just willing to sign a guy and we just want you to show up at the field and not even have to talk to the press, not even have to do any of that, but we're going to pay you X amount of dollars, that to me is where I feel like he ends up landing as a team that's willing to pay him, of course, 
but also let Shohei do what he's done in Anaheim, which I don't know if there's a big market team. You know, everyone talks about the Dodgers, you know, as, as a possibility. I, I think about sometimes a team like I was just up in Seattle. Um, I had no, you know, <laughs> Buster, I have no information into Shohei and what he's thinking, but I start to tap into some of the smaller market teams and somewhere that he just might be happy to be able to go out and break records and do his thing over the super big giant deal that'll be historic. You know, it's funny you say that because I could definitely see Seattle, especially with a, another star like Julio Rodriguez. So like Julio Rodriguez would be like, don't worry, I got it. I got the media. Like I'll yep. be, the, I'll be the front guy in terms of dealing with the media. Uh, and, and just in, and, and this is just pure, I'm, I'm with you. I don't really have any specific information about how the Dodgers feel about it, but just knowing how being a, you know, being a star and being accessible has historically been a big deal for the Dodgers. You think of, you know, and, and teams in LA, you think of a Magic Johnson, for example, you think of Mookie, you think of Freddie Freeman. I, I don't think that they would be a team that would say, yeah, you come here and then and live in a, live in a closet and not, uh, not be someone we're going to pay you $50 million a year for and, and expect that we're not going to ask you to do things. I think they would expect them to do things. Absolutely. I think any team would that's going to pay him that much, which is why I think, I mean, Seattle's not going to pay him that much. <laughs> when I say that example, I think Shohei's willing to take a lot less to be yeah. able to play ba- number one for him. And, and let's be real. We're talking what 40 million instead of 50 million. <laughs> like, I mean, you're, the dude's getting He'll paid. be okay. <laughs> yeah, exactly. He's not taking a huge pay cut, but I think we actually see this be more historically like, wow, in my opinion, when we see what he does sign for, which will still be a lot of money, but for a lesser market team so that he can go out, his his number one goal is to continue to do what Shohei Otani and no other player has done and break these records and be unbelievable. And I think he truly believes to do that. He's not going to be about you know, the press conferences and the extra money you can get with marketing and doing all of that. So where do you go? where you can actually be that baseball player and that's it outside of Anaheim. And I think that's a handful of teams. All right, Jess. Well, I appreciate you doing this. Uh, I'm sure you're going to go for a 10 mile run now. Thank you. I'm jumping in the ocean. I'm not kidding. Thanks Buster. Eduardo Perez is an analyst on Sunday night baseball and Eduardo this Sunday night, we've got the Dodgers playing host to the San Francisco giants. And, uh, you know, we'll see where the giants stay in the nationally wildcard race by the time we get there. How you doing? I'm doing well, man. I'm doing well. This is down the stretch and, you know, I think this is, this is what it was all about, right? This is, you know, teams, this is what they wanted. Thought, right? This is what they wanted. The unpredictability. We have no idea where we're going to be when it comes down to the wild card and you know what i wouldn't want it any other way right now i'm liking it so i I confess when i was talking with dave schoenfield that a week ago when the rangers were blowing out the blue jays in toronto i wrote them off i I like with the blue jays i was like they're done like and you can't have a series like that against another team you're competing against and as uh, we woke up this morning the stinking Jays have a better record than any team in the American League West. <laughs> I mean, that's crazy, crazy to me. You know, think really about is. that. It really is. And think about how crazy it's been that Bo Bichette, who finally hit a home run yesterday, is finally starting to get healthier. Uh, his quad's starting to get better. But 
you know, he hasn't been playing to his ability. The the same thing you can say with uh, Vlad Guerrero Jr. You know, they're not playing great baseball, but the thing is the potential is there. And if they get healthy and they get right, especially with now George Springer back in that leadoff spot where he belongs. And I'm, I was in shock when they took him out of that leadoff spot. I don't care if he had, if he was struggling at one point, he is their best leadoff guy. He is their impact guy. And he did George Springer stuff yesterday. So I'm curious if you, uh, you know, would fall into the trap. I, I Before we got started, I mentioned to you, I might ask you which among the five National League teams going for the last two spots might make it. Would you fall into the trap of actually picking teams? Or is it sort of that time of year where, you know what, you just never know? You know, I love the story about J- Dustin Pedroia going to the Diamondbacks clubhouse last Friday and talking to a really tired Diamondbacks team like, come on, get over it. You're in a penny race. This yeah. is, you know, let's go. And then the Diamondbacks go out and sweep the Cubs. It feels like the end of this season with these teams, with the injuries, just a lot of zigs and zags. Yeah, and to making reference, Dustin Pedroia also by saying that, just think about it. He was a rookie when they went down the stretch also, so he's been there. It's not like he was a veteran guy getting to the World Series and having to produce late in the season. He looked around, he saw a lot of 22- and 23-year-old guys, and he said, don't tell me you're tired. This is what you play for. Tired is actually July and August. September when you're in it, this is why you train so hard in the offseason. It's to be able to play for October. So that hits the spot in a major way. Look, we rode off San Francisco probably a week ago. Yesterday, Cobb goes down. Um, do we ride them off again or not? If they win three or four in a row, they're back in it again. Uh, it's it's so hard to detect. I've heard rumors also that Eudy Perez might be shut down from the Marlins. Are you kidding me? They already shut him down once this season. They sent him down to the minor leagues. He threw six innings in like a month while he was down there. They, the body style says to me, let him go. Now that you don't have Sandia Contra down the stretch, you need an arm like this to go along with Cabrera and all the other young arms that they have. Um, the Marlins can still be in this thing. The Cubs, after losing five in a row, they come back yesterday. They go right back to the friendly confines, and they do friendly confine things, and they win a big ball game there. Um, Cincinnati, I'm not writing off that young team as well. They got Green Hunter Green going tonight. We don't know what's going to happen in any of the teams. If you're asking me who the next two teams are in that yeah. division besides the Phillies, I'm just saying, are we certain that the Phillies are in? That just tells you how <laughs> uncertain everything is. Yeah. Uh, I I would feel pretty good picking the Phillies to be one me of the too. wild card teams. And I, and I would confess, yes, I could pick two of the five teams, you know, and my picks at this point probably would be Cubs and Diamondbacks. But I have zero confidence level at this point, especially after what we saw with the Cubs and Diamondbacks over the weekend, where the Diamondbacks looked like they were on the mat. You know, the Cubs, uh, who I think on paper are probably the better team, and to see them get swept in the way that they were, and the Diamondbacks play with that kind of energy, it's just a reminder, you just never know. Absolutely. You never know what's going to happen down the stretch with those teams. And again, I don't even know, living in Miami – if the Marlins fans of the people, the residents of Miami understand what's going on here. I had one person tell me, so have the Marlins eliminated yet? I'm like, what are you talking about? And don't let a Marlins team get in via the wild card. 
yeah, they got in in 2020 via the wild card, but the two other times they got in, yeah. they won it all when it comes to the back then the Florida Marlins. Uh, but look, it could happen. It happened in 97. It happened in 03. Can it happen again? We don't know, but they do have the young pitching and they have the energy right now. And Jorge Soler is back in that lineup. The big question is, will Arise be okay from that uh, from that ankle injury that he suffered yesterday before the game? They were four and four with him out. Of, they were six and six with him without the without him being in the lineup going into yesterday's game. Now they're seven and six. They're hoping that they can carry the weight. Well, and you've played in pennant races before. Tell me what it's like in regards to injuries this time of year, because my gut is, is that Luis Arise probably go to the park today and he's, and he'll do the, uh, you know, wrap it up really tight, put some tape on it, but I'm going to play because these games are too meaningful. Yeah? They are they are meaningful. And let's not forget one thing about Luis Arise. It's not about the power, right? Right. It's not exit velocity. It's about putting bat-to-ball skill. And that he can do with his upper body really well. It's soft contact with great placement. The issue that I have is on the defensive standpoint. Where can you put him? At first base, you move a lot there. You have to run to the bag. Does that jeopardize the, the, the ankle? They have to be very smart about this as well. So um, if he's not at least 80%, I would not put him in there. So we got the news on Shohei Otani, uh, and, and I still don't understand why it, there's just not transparency. I mean, all the teams are going to be looking at him as a free agent, are going to be digging in this information, what type of surgery he had. I don't know why it wasn't very specific about what they did, uh, but how does that affect, if you're a team that's interested in bidding on Otani, how would that shape the offer that you're going to make in the fall? Um, I, actually, I, I'm having a little bit more confidence on this because uh, when Neil Altrach, the, the, the surgeon, the orthopedic surgeon that is well-respected around all kinds of yep. uh, all sports, when he came out and he spoke, I think it, it boosted the confidence level on this. It said that his ligament was intact. It was healthy. The one that, that one that was done at the beginning, it was just the attachment at the lower part of the bone. Um, it looks like they anchored that down. And if they just did that, the recovery process is a lot less than what they anticipated. Uh, again, everybody thinks that the MRIs show everything. It doesn't show and tell you the whole story. It showed in the MRI that there was a tear. But once they went in, they saw that it was not a tear and that it was displaced. Uh, they were able to attach it again. I like the outcome. Let's not forget that when, uh, when, when you look at Bryce Harper's injury last year and how quick he was able to come back, his surgery was on November 23rd. We're looking at September right now, uh, two months previous to when Bryce Harper had it. He's going to be back for opening day. I really do feel confident in what I heard from the surgeon. And I think it was smart of Shohei Otani and his team to be able to say, let's have the surgery now. Let's let everyone know that I will not be pitching in 2024. I'll be back in 2025, but I will be able to hit opening day. I think that increases his value and teams like the LA Dodgers who have a JD Martinez as a full-time DH, it would be an upgrade from the left side to have a Shohei Otani. Now, would they be willing to pay for multiple years knowing that he will just uh, only hit next year. I think they're the front runners in being able to get a Shohei Otani in that lineup.
All right. You answered part of the question I was just going to ask you, which team do you think he lands with? And it sounds like you believe he's going to be most likely to be with the Dodgers. Give me the dollar figure that he's going to get in that contract. <laughs> I, th I think there's I think there's going to have to be an out in the contract also to help out both teams. And it all depends if he's able to pitch or not. I think this could be a really it has to be the most interesting co uh, contract in baseball history because of his ability to dominate on the pitching mound when healthy. And because of that, I, I see I, I see a contract that will guarantee him two years. And if he fulfills it with a vesting type deal where it can go all the way from eight to 10 years of service with that team, and he should have an out after the second, after the second year, and also after the third year, depending on how, how his arm is. Dollar figures. Dollar figures. We're looking at least in the 40 to $50 million range. So year. potentially a deal where he could opt out after two years, but Maybe the the deal guarantees in five hundred million. Absolutely. Okay. Uh, and you, uh, you know, live a lot of the year in Florida, so I want to ask you about uh, the news that the Tampa Bay Rays finally have a ballpark. How about that? Um, you know, it's really interesting because we've always said this is what is going to define our commissioner's legacy. Is is he going to be able to make it to thirty two teams? And for the first thing he had to do was make sure he said it. Uh, I need to make sure that I can find a home for Tampa and for Oakland. Well, Oakland had to relocate. Tampa had to renew their vows, as as I've heard there already in rumors before. And now the ownership is going to have to most likely pick up half of that 1.2 estimated billion dollars that is being uh, that's the cost of the stadium with the city of Pinellas, uh, Pinellas County, the county uh, being able to pick up the rest. Uh, surprising that it's going to be in the San Pete area and not in the Tampa area. Um, yes, it is, but it looks like they understand the market value. 30000 uh, around that is what they're expecting the stadium to be built on. Look, TV revenues is going to be interesting. It's one of the big markets also with the Orlando area there. So I think it's going to be interesting to see how that evolves and how the TV rights uh, make this city – and this team important. But the good thing is that now by 2028, they're going to have a new stadium in that area around. It's going to be a ballpark village. And I think it's going to attract a lot of young generations of, uh, of uh, fans to the Tampa Bay uh, area. And you know what else it means? It means probably within the next uh, year to 15 months, Nashville's going to have a team expansion <laughs> team. Nice. <laughs> Bandy, you've got company. You're right. And look, it's very attractive because the no state income tax, right? You know, the no state tax in, in, uh, in, in Nashville and in, in Tennessee. And I think that attracts just like it attracts players to Florida, like it attracts players to the Seattle uh, with Washington state, the same thing, Texas. And now you're looking at uh, Tennessee as well. So uh, if, Nashville were to get a team, it would become very good, very fast. Yeah, I, ha I had a conversation with a major league staffer who you know, and off air, I'll tell you who it was. He said to me recently, uh, if they put a team in Nashville, I'll, I'll be the bat boy. And See, that way I could live there. You know, that's uh, you're lot, right. A lot so of, many a lot players of, a have lot gravitated players, toward that yep. middle Tennessee area. Absolutely. Absolutely. They've gravitated that way. A lot of former players, a lot of current players and even a manager right now, uh, Bruce Bochy is uh, also in the Nashville yeah. area. So it's, I think it's, I think it's really interesting to see what happens 
there in in Nashville. But this will move very quickly now that the Tampa Bay Rays have secured their home for for the foreseeable future. Fifteen seconds. Tell me the other's expansion city. Best guess, and I know we're really early in this information. Best guess right now, I would not be surprised if Portland uh, is in consideration. Montreal has to be in consideration as well. Charlotte has to be in consideration. I do not see another team in the state of Texas. And, I and hold mentioned on. to Dave Schultz. And Salt Lake City. Let's not forget about yeah, Salt Lake. Yeah, well. that was the team that I said uh, when I was talking with Dave Schoenfield. That's my guess. You know, and Salt Lake. They have they have pretty good uh, pretty good friction right now there. Exactly. Did I get it under 15 seconds? Nope. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Eduardo. I'll see you in the call tomorrow. All right. You got it. Bleacher Tweets. All right, Buster. Time for some Bleacher Tweets. First one comes from Paul Haynes. He writes, Gunner, Ashley, Kerstead, is there any truth to the rumors that the Orioles have a cloning machine like in the Prestige? Great movie, by the way. They They have done a great job of picking players. It's one thing to tank. It's a whole other thing to actually pick the players when you have top draft picks. Next one comes from Andrew Campbell, who writes, Hey, Buster, the NFL is often referred to as a copycat league in Major League Baseball. What methods or tactics do you think are copied by teams that have had success elsewhere on a different team? Is it simply pitching grips and hitting mechanics or something more? I would have to assume it is a lot more. Man, it's been all over the place, uh, you know, and it feels like for about t- the last 25 years, you know, all the teams following the Moneyball uh, formula that uh, Michael Lewis wrote about with the Oakland Athletics, adopting those tactics, all the teams chasing velocity, uh, tanking, quite frankly, right? Uh, it was the Astros and the Cubs who did that uh, in the uh, early, mid-2010s. Two, uh, uh, they had success, and other teams realized that, heck, even if you don't pick the right players, you're still making a lot of money, so a lot more teams have been tanking. Next one comes from Corey, who writes, with Oakland and Tampa Bay seemingly having their stadium issues resolved, how long until expansion talks become legitimate? Yeah, Corey, that's what I was talking about with Dave. Uh, It's right around the corner. I think that they're going to start having those conversations in earnest in February, and you put a team in Nashville right now. Brian writes, why do teams hold back uh, service time instead of using them as much as possible while they have them cheap get everything you can while they're young and hungry then let them go they're doing it wrong again that is brian's thoughts what are yours buster no i well first off you know obviously with the the latest cba it's become more problematic for teams to manipulate service time a little bit more difficult not impossible but i think the tampa bay rays have demonstrated that if you keep guys in the minor leagues as long as possible so that they do a lot of their development in the minor leagues, that that, you know, that approach can pay off. It's not necessarily the best thing for the player. It's not necessarily the best thing for their money making. But if you can keep a player in your minor league farm system and you get them as ripe as possible to be a good player in the big leagues, I, I think that's another way to go. That'll do it for this edition of Bleacher Tweets. Don't forget to send in your Bleacher Tweets using hashtag Bleacher Tweets on X. We call it X, right, on this podcast? Or is it still formally known as Twitter? You tell me, Buster, but that will do it for us. I don't know. I just I just signed on to the website. I don't even... <laughs> <laughs> Either way, hashtag today. Bleacher Tweets. We will find them there. <laughs> That's it for today. My thanks to Eduardo, Dave, Hembo, Sarah, I guess we're, yeah, Sarah and Taylor, we're giving them sort of like uh, their co-conspirators on this podcast, unindicted co-conspirators. Would that be fair to say? I guess so. I, I don't know what that makes me. And you're under full indictment, Mr. Stanzik. <laughs> Thanks for filling in today. Go Blue Jays. 
Have a great day, everybody. Thanks for listening. Stay safe. And remember, hate and inequality based on skin color is something we need to fight against every single day. Dogs are an important part of our lives. That means protecting them from parasites. Ask your vet about NexGuard Plus, a Foxaloner, Moxidectin, and Pyrantal chewable tablets. NexGuard Plus Chews provides one and done monthly protection against fleas, ticks, heartworm disease, roundworms, and hookworms. Plus, they're delicious and easy to give. Use with caution in dogs with a history of seizures or neurological disorders. Dogs should be tested for existing heartworm infection prior to starting a preventive. Ask about NexGuard Plus Chews.